to the Sober Bartender Podcast. I'm your host, Brandi Kelly. Last week, we talked with therapist, author, and coach, Amanda J.P. Brown. We covered so much, but we weren't done. So today is part two of our two-parter episode on opening up to new beginnings, learning to trust yourself again. So I will not keep you any longer. If you didn't listen last week, it is definitely on the platform. I would suggest going back, but if you're just picking up now, you're still going to get lots of good stuff. So sit back and enjoy. So that's where I try to remember, um, like, you know, everybody in not everybody, but like everybody's read the four agreements, right? And yeah, like, oh so yeah, the four agreements. But I'm like, no, but the four <laughs> agreements, guys. Like, can we just go back to those? Like, if we don't make assumptions, right? And if we don't yeah. take things personally, and if yeah. we're impeccable with our word, mm-hmm. and if we do the next right thing, like, how are we not talking about these every day? <laughs> Right. Absolutely. They're, they're such an important piece. That has been a huge part of the work that I do too. And what I've created is because, um, and I want to go back to one piece, like that self-compassion piece you talked about is so important as well. Um, because the fact that without that, without, because this work can be so hard, being able to have self-empathy and open-heartedness. That's some of the, like I, when I first worked through my own journey through recovery and healing my kind of uh, addiction story, Mm -hmm. um, I had to do a lot of work around what do, what do I need to be able to tell my story without feeling bad about myself. So I came up with these practices, but what I found, and you talked about it in compassion is this empathy and this open-heartedness, like without those things for yourself, it's really hard to do this work because then you're within judgment of, and you're constantly judging, but when you can have compassion and empathy, you're it, it like judgment goes away because you're like, I you know, hold you, even though you feel bad about this. And I wouldn't make that decision now. I think that's one of the things is like looking back at myself and, and having that compassion of like, I understand why you made that choice then. And thank you. Yeah. I, and because when we find ourselves in self-judgment about what we did, it's because we're looking back with new information that we didn't have at the time. So if we can remember that back then we did the best that we could and we only saw the options that we saw and we took the one that felt the best even though now two minutes later or 10 years later we see that there were other options it's only because we have all that new information yeah and when you know better you can do better but until then until then you have to just trust that you're doing the best that you can yep yeah Mm -hmm. I love that I love the yeah the compassion um, like I had so much shame mm-hmm. and I don't feel that anymore. Yeah. And then when I see women come in, you know, come into the rooms and there's so much shame and they're like, I don't think people would ever forgive me for what I did. And I just want to like, just squeeze them. And like, it, like they so will, like that will not yeah. be what you'll and, be remembered for. Yeah. Like and that, even if they don't. it's okay it's okay because that you don't get to choose what other people think say or do 
No, you I'm not responsible it. for anyone else. Thank you. Right. So it's that, that self-forgiveness and that self-love and really the self-acceptance, which is such a hard thing at some point when you really with shame and you feel bad, but the more that you understand and give yourself that compassion and, and understanding the more that you're able to work into acceptance and forgiveness because self-forgiveness is, you know, for you, regardless of whether or not the other person will choose, you know, what they choose is irrelevant when you choose it for yourself and you make the amends, whatever that looks like for you with them. Um, because some people also might not be safe to make amends with sometimes, yeah. Um, so there may be other ways that you energetically do it, um, and you figure out what's right for you and, and the work, but absolutely. I think that, you know, remembering that we're not responsible for how other people react. Um, and, and that if people make amends, I remember my first, um, I don't know why this is coming up, so I'm just going to okay. go with it. Go with it. <laughs> um, my first husband like sent me some, message on Facebook at some point and he was like you know you were a shooting star and I was a black hole and kind of and I was like oh you must be in this point of recovery because you're like sending me this message and I I just was like I'm not going to respond to you um because I don't feel like I owe him anything I mean he it was a very toxic relationship and it was very unhealthy and I did not want to engage in that any further so I didn't respond. And then within a day, he sent me a follow-up message going, what, you're not going to say thank you or anything. And I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, I ended up getting back to poetry and I was like, I don't owe you a, a thank you. I don't owe you anything. Like I was so mad. I wrote a whole poem about it because I'm like, you, that's not the point of this step. Steps are like, you know, you do this stuff without like the expectation and attachment to what will happen when I do this. Like it's unattaching from those expectations, which is really hard. Mm. Um, <laughs> you're like, I want it to go this way. Um, but I was so like, yep, see, like you're still toxic. Like, I'm glad I didn't respond because. And that's like I'm, in a living, a living amends for you to not continue the cycle. Right. Right. I mean, not engage with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And so it was just, it was. It was so interesting, but yeah, that unattachment to when we do something, when we apologize, when we acknowledge where we were wrong, doing that and letting it land. And then whatever happens next is not our responsibility. Absolutely. Or, or do we get a say in what that is? So, mm -hmm. and then accepting that it's okay. No matter what happens, I did my part. Yes. Mm -hmm. So since we're on the subject, one of the scariest amends that I went to make I went for my hardest ones first um this time around um you know I did the steps before but my heart was not in yeah. it I I wasn't living I wasn't emotionally sober mm, I was still yeah. lying I was still just mm -hmm. I was still in the yuck yeah so this time around I was so desperate that I was like let it wash over me like I'm not here to figure it out I'm here to do whatever you tell me so when it came to my amends, my sponsor said, you know, let's go, you know, let's go for the ones that you really don't want to do first. So I think you can probably guess who that would be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't, I didn't feel that I did, or I didn't owe this person an amends, mm -hmm. but my amends was to own up to what I did. Right. 
Absolutely. And it does not involve the other person whatsoever. So right. just writing it, mm -hmm. that's the self-forgiveness. Yeah. And then the next thing, this is where I felt my conscious contact with my higher power mm. was my willingness to try to offer it. You know, we offer it and then we're, that's it. It hasn't, right. it's none of our business. If they don't respond, if they do, if they, you know, like it, if they don't, if they want to be right. friends, if they don't, that's not our business. Like you were exactly. just saying, but you know, I was so thankful that I offered that and didn't get any response yeah. to that. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You're like, Phew, I don't know. Because I couldn't, I, you know, I had to like reach out to a former family member and like get an address and send it to a family member saying, hey, can you forward this? Mm -hmm. And then that was it. But the mm -hmm. fact that I did that mm -hmm. and you don't send the letter, you just say, would you be willing to hear my letter? Right. And that's a no. Yeah. 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 If they don't respond, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah. I was willing. And it, but the point was just, um, I got out of that what I needed because I mm -hmm. forgave myself. Absolutely. And I let everybody else off the hook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes we're like holding on to and seething on all of this and brooding and really staying in it. And when we do that, we are like energetically, karmically attached to them. Absolutely. And not just that, we're, we're, we're still continuing that energy. Absolutely. And there's energy leaks and mm -hmm. there's, you know, um, just connection to things that necessarily are not helpful to us. And so when we recognize that and we do the things that, kind of can create this container, not that it shuts people out, but it really helps us attend to where are we spending our energy and where are we spending our focus, then we really get to then choose, okay, do I want to do continue this path or not? Mm -hmm. And then why, what is underneath? I always love this. Like, okay, so yeah, I want to keep doing this. I want to keep it. So what's underneath that? Like, what's my motivation for continuing to hold this relationship or this, this connection open that I know, like, it's always interesting to kind of dig into that a little bit um, because you find out a lot about yourself and you're like, Oh, it's because I don't feel worthy of letting it go or I don't. Yeah. It's like right, absolutely figuring out exactly where it is. Like, it's okay if you hang on to it, but let's figure out why exactly you think that. Right. It <laughs> Absolutely. I love that you brought worthiness up because I think a lot of the things that we do, why we choose some of the people that we do. And like when I wrote my book and talking about my story is I remember my mom having this, like, you know, about being in a relationship with people, like, you know, people treat you the way you treat them right so that's kind of the thing but people treat you the way you treat yourself is what I've come to believe and if you don't believe that you're worth somebody better than the for me in my first marriage the toxic person who gaslights you and makes you feel bad and cheats on you um, then you're going to choose to be in that relationship if you feel unworthy because you're playing out your own story and so that validates the story and narrative you tell yourself. And so when you yes. start shifting your story and, you know, as I healed my worthiness, 
I started to understand that, no, I am worth more than this. And I will not put up with these things. And I will change how I engage and interact with people and who I choose to be in relationship with, because that's not what I want for my relationship. And so it's, it's in that self-healing that then you get to change the dynamics of relationships as well. Well, I did, I did want to talk about like, did you know, did you know when you like moved up there when you got to Oregon, did you know, like, I'm going to help other people feel this awesome. Like I'm going to help other people walk through this. Um, no, really like, as so my work has always been about helping people in transition, like really, but it was like all people in transition for everything. Um, but did I know I would specifically focus in on helping people who are navigating through divorce and relationship endings? No. Um, in fact, I took a time off for my business for a little while um, because um, a coach I had was like, I think you need to eat, pray, love for a bit. You've been through massive transformation. You've been through massive things. I mean, I went from raising my nephew with my ex-husband, being married, living in Arizona um, to being divorced, an empty nester and moving in a new state. Oh, and left a toxic job to move to a new job into a state that I had really no, like I, I knew a couple people, but I didn't really know people here. So mm -hmm. I moved and the, the difference, even in environment of climate. So I'd been through all these massive shifts and all these massive changes. And it was hard for me to recognize that that's not normal. <laughs> that I hear people, you there. Oh my God. Yeah, most people don't do things like this, especially all the most stressful things that you could ever do in your life all at one time. It's comfort in chaos. Yeah, exactly. And the <laughs> fact that we understand that we're comfortable in chaos is, is something to be really aware of and acknowledge and then work on being more calm and comfortable in the calmness of life. Right. Because that's where I know I've been like, okay, it's too calm. I need to like, I need to do something. I need something in my life. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. And so I did, I started to eat, pray, love a little bit more, which is why I deepened in, in that relationship, um, that didn't work out, um, or it ended it's, um, it worked out the way it needed to. Right. I, I truly believe things do. Um, but it, that relationship, but I really fully focused on understanding myself in, in relationship. And I focused on doing some stuff with my dog. And I really just kind of focused on a little bit more stuff for me and really getting back to, um, doing things that I enjoy, like going to the ballet and really kind of in, engaging in some of those things. And so it was only when I was like at a place that I was like, okay, I think it's time that I come back to focusing on my business, doing the work here and being able to show back up of that. I kind of shifted my focus to helping people who are navigating through divorce and ending long-term relationships. So, and I, yeah. I love that. I love seeing your work because everything that you, everything that I see you post or see you share, like I totally relate. And I can think of people that are either going to be there soon or are walking <laughs> through it now. Yeah. Or um, if I wouldn't have had, like, if I wouldn't have been in the middle of my steps, like I would have needed someone to help me recognize where a boundary was needed or yeah. where, um, you know, like, like the ex didn't want to move out of the house. 
-hmm. like when the time that he was going to move out, like he, you know, there was just so many things that like, I didn't know how to stand up for myself. Like I knew that I was doing that, but I needed like a guide. I needed a coach. Yeah. And yeah. um, so I just love, I love, love, love that you're doing that. And um, when I was still in Vegas, I was, you know, I was thinking I would love to be a divorce coach, but my idea of being a divorce coach <laughs> and granted I was engaged to a person not even related to our conversation today. Right. I was engaged to this very nice man. And mm -hmm. uh, I was already thinking about how I could help people get divorced. But my idea was like, you know, in Vegas, you're right next to the BLM land. I'm like, we take them out. They shoot big guns. Like, you know, like we set up targets for them. And then like we get them like drugs and we get them, you know, get them super drunk and take them, you know, on a helicopter tour and take them to all these restaurants and like all the really toxic things because I was in such a toxic place to where I was like, well, this is my reality. How can I share this reality with these women mm -hmm. when like now, like this is my reality. And I'm like, how can I help share this reality with these women, which is like right. the polar opposite. <laughs> I still wanted to help people then, but my idea was, <laughs> was so different and then how it is now. Yeah. And that was like 2018. Like that's not that long ago. It's no, that's uh, not that long ago. <laughs> it's not. But, but I think that goes to show that growth can happen so rapidly and oh, yeah. things can shift and change, especially what I've noticed is when you choose yourself that and you prioritize yourself and this doesn't mean you're being mean to other people or neglectful but when you choose yourself and to live your most authentic truth then things can shift rapidly um and when you're in that space like you're not going to be mean to people how people take it and and if they try to make you feel guilty or bad because they don't agree which can happen people can be really like cruel in their ways that they engage with you it doesn't mean you're being mean it means they don't like how you're showing up now because it's not they're not allow you're not allowing them to influence you the same way so then right. they'll kind of do some things to kind of try to get you back in line but the more you stay your course and your truth and things will will open up that you're like wow like I was so shocked from the time that I, so this is literally, I had to, we, in January 8th, we got in a big fight. We said yes to a divorce. Mm -hmm. And this was the beginning of 2021. February 5th, I moved out. We filed a divorce February 12th. In March, I was like, I think I want to go back to Oregon to where I kind of grew up to just kind of do some soul healing and reconnection and get nurtured a little bit. And so I booked a trip and then I was like, you know, I, people were asking me, so where are you going to live? When are you moving out of your mom's, which I don't think I ever would have been able to do living in Arizona with the cost of housing and all mm -hmm. of that stuff. Um, and I was like, yeah, I can move anywhere. And I remember it was kind of the end of March and I'm like, maybe I should apply for some places in like Oregon to see if they need social workers. <laughs> it's a small town here. And I'm like, they probably don't need any social workers. They probably got what they need. And the hospital I work at now was looking for a social worker and had been looking for a social worker for quite a long time. Um, so I applied there. I applied some other places. And I had started having interviews before even I flew up. And then I came and met people when I was up here. 
And literally, so that was the end of March, you know, then April I'm here, I fly back home. And by May 10th, I have an offer for the hospital that I work at. I'm divorced on May 24th. In that time frame, my nephew had turned 18 and graduated from high school. And so I'm here literally, and I, by the way, I don't have a place to live yet but I kept trusting. I kept believing. I kept feeling like I'm supposed to be here and I'm choosing myself. I'm going to lean into this, even though I have no idea how it's going to work out. So now I have the job offer, but I like, didn't have a place to live. Housing is also very hard here because it's um, small rural towns. Um, and, and then I had a dog on top of it, you know, so that makes it harder because lots of people don't want to rent to, I don't, I don't know why people with dogs who rent, you know, seem to destroy houses, but I'm, it, I can't, I don't have to understand it. It yeah. just made my story a little bit harder. And then, so, but I just called like different companies who were rental management companies. And I connected with somebody over our dogs. They hadn't had a rental for a year. I'm literally coming at the end of May. So I have my offer, but I need to do my new hire and sign and secure everything. So I'm the end of May was like the 30th, you know, 29th, 30th. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pulling up to the airport and I still don't have a place to live. I have no idea. I'm supposed to be starting my new job by like the 21st of June. I'm moving, you know, by, I think I was leaving the eighth or something in June and I'm pulling up to the airport and they call me. And they're like, we have a house. It just came, it just came to us. It's not even on the market. They, it's three bedrooms, two and a half baths, a mile from the beach with a two car garage. And they'll let you have your dog. And I'm like, okay, can I see it tomorrow? And so literally it was within two weeks of me supposing to need to be here. And I was going to, I was thinking it was going to have to stay at like this trailer at a friend, but I had no idea that very moment the phone call came in, the trailer was becoming unavailable because of some family stuff that had happened. Wow. And so she was not going to be able to let me stay there because her partner's daughter needed to come down because her partner was going through some stuff medically. And so she was going to need to be there. And I had no idea that that housing disappeared and this housing appeared. And so it's just testament when you choose to follow through and commit to yourself and do the work that things will, it might not happen that rapidly, but it absolutely also could. Like, and it seems to like that it, momentum just spitfires. Yeah. It's like that slingshot you talked about. You're yeah. like, trust, trust, trust. Okay. I'm going to lean back. I'm going to lean back. I'm not going to, it's like, you know, that marble in the rock in the slingshot, you just keep leaning back and keep going. Okay. I'm not going to try to control this. Cause that's what I find sometimes a lot of times is we are trying to control how things happen, what things look like. And when we can be hands off and show up and trust, yeah. then it's like, boom, there you go. And you're like, and it's Whoa. way better than what we would have like controlled and manipulated to be. Absolutely. But it's also really hard to do what you did and to trust and let go. Yes. But that's where the miracles are. Like whatever you want to call them. Like that's where the magic yeah. is. That is where like when you just let creative energy do its thing, it it shows itself and it's, <laughs> it does it's its way thing. better than anything that we could do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so I constantly have to remember that for my, like for myself of like not reaching in and trying to grab out is like, no, like if I'm supposed to be in a relationship, then it's going to show up. It's going to show up and it's going to be the relationship that I need in the moment. I need to trust that where I'm at right now is enough. And the more that I continue to choose my steps and my journey, and the more that I continue to choose this path and be my most authentic self and not get stuck in fear, which it always comes up for us, but we can work through it. It's, you know, and I, I find that, you know, people are like, well, I just need to get over my fear. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Right. No, you're going to do it, which is where bravery and courage comes in. In, Do it scared. (laughs) Do it scared. You're going to do it scared. You're going to do it while your knees wobble. You're going to face your fear. And you're going to be like, it's in the face of fear that you do the things. And it's really opening up to the fear and going, okay, I know I'm scared. And I'm going to do it anyways. I know all this bad catastrophe things could happen and I'm going to do it anyways. And I think the one thing that I was like, well, the worst case scenario is I end up broke and living on my mom in my mom's house. And I'm like, well, I'm not broke, but I'm living in my mom's house. So I'm technically at my worst (laughs) case scenario. And I know that if things fall apart, I can come back to my mom's house or I can do this thing. Like there's, you know, so it was just kind of funny because yeah, it, it really is about that, that doing it and finding that courage and that, that belief and, um, the, the bravery tapping into your courage and uh, bravery Mm -hmm. is really how you get through fear. And what I, what I really heard you say is. Like you just took the next best step for you. Yeah, absolutely. Not just the next best step that I would think is a good step or that your mom or society or no, like you just, like you were saying, you were living authentically and you just, like you didn't have everything figured out because we're so focused on, um, you know, on the destination and on the final product and like knowing how it's all going to unfold, but the how is not up to us. Right. Absolutely. Like just the, each step is what got you there and everything else was there. Right. And the more that you can release the destination, you know, it's like the more you can release so much focus on that. It's like a coach talked to me about, it's like, do you follow, you know, you want to get to that tree in front of you across the, you know, um, snowy field. So do you focus on the path in front of you or do you focus on the tree? Well, neither you focus on both. You've got to be paying attention to where the tree is, but following your path and looking up to see, am I walking to take me in that direction? Because if we don't kind of know kind of where we're going, then we just end up wherever. Then we could veer off the path. Right. But if we never look down to pay attention to what's underneath us, like, I don't know if you've ever done that walking, but you could hit a hole and twist your ankle or break your leg or trip. Yeah. Washington for sure. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember it's, it's like for me learning about growing up in the desert. And when I lived in Arizona, you know, there's, there's dangers, there's rattlesnakes and there's things that'll bite you. 
So pay attention to where you walk, but always remember to look up periodically, but find this like three to six feet ability to pay attention to what steps you're taking while you look up because there's your danger. Hula, your hula hoop. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So so that's like such an important thing to remember is those it's and you said this earlier, which we didn't highlight, but it's it's not the either or it's always the both and oh yeah. It's always the both and of and things. also yeah. Yep. Yeah, because it because when we get in the duality of life and say it's only black or white, it's only this way or that way, there's so much that we're missing and that we're we're again kind of missing the whole point of our human experience of this. It's there's so much gray and and things, and then we're trying to control and force things. And and yep, I've I definitely get called out quite often um for the black and white thinking because I'll be talking like my focus on something that's frustrating or challenging me, you know, I say all day, like the obstacle is the way and like, this is just another growth opportunity. Dude, when I'm faced with something, my like zoom, like I totally zoom in instead yeah. of out, like my big picture is very limited. And it's like, fortunately, I work with another person, like I have a sponsor, but I'm also working to become a coach, because right. not only, you know, I have a sponsor, I am a sponsor, but I want to help women who don't mm -hmm. have to go to the depths and despair of addiction. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> or are coming out of it, releasing that shame and really being yeah. able to find their power, because there is so much. I mean, like just my story in addiction, I never talked about my story. In fact, I had a really hard time even acknowledging I might've been an addict. See, and like, I knew that about you, but I didn't know anything about it. Right. Yeah. Most people don't because I never talked about it. I was so quiet because I was so scared of being judged. And it was my crazy time, quote unquote. You know, that was like <laughs> how we talked about it. Mandy's crazy time. And, um, oh. I didn't want to let people know about that. And my path to recovery is so different. It doesn't include AA. Um, so I think understanding that there are lots of paths, but mm -hmm. there are so many similarities in, in different paths that you find. And it's just fascinating because I mean, it, I can say that I had a problem with drug addiction and, but to say I was a drug addict still is hard for me because that that goes against a lot of my core value, like about just how I talk about myself. And so mm -hmm. I am not a drug addict. I had a drug problem. And I think for me, language and how you use language is really important. Um, but that doesn't mean that I like I can't also dismiss that I had a problem with it. Right. There's like yeah. this. It's, it's a complex thing. And. So for me, but, but to even be able to acknowledge that I had a drug addiction and then to be able to talk about that it was with meth, because a lot of people are like, Ooh, you know, it's very taboo and everybody ends up this way. And I'm just like, but that's not true, but I never wanted to talk about it because I didn't want people to judge me, but secretly I was judging myself. And what I found absolutely, yeah, through all my work is that the more that I accepted that about myself, it helped me understand. And this is what I take from that experience a lot is that doing and choosing to use drugs and having an addiction with it 
it really did help me understand why people end up there and like having more compassion and empathy for people who have chosen to have that in their life. Mm-hmm. I understand personally what takes you there, what took me there. I mean, a lot of people get there for a multitude of reasons, but when you've been there, you have this unique ability that somebody who's never experienced it to understand them in a way where they can be felt and they can be heard and they can be seen without judgment because, oh, you've walked this path. You, I didn't read about it in a book. I yeah, know. Yeah. 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 I've walked it. I've been there. I've seen it. And, and I, so I'm able to support people in shame in such a deeper way than someone who may not have been able, who's not had those experiences. And it doesn't mean those people aren't compassionate or loving or even judging you, but there is something about being felt and seen that, that is so different when you yourself, you're like, my capacity feels bigger mm-hmm. because I've had this. It's not in spite of, no, a lot of these, and I, I often use the, the change of those words too. It's not in spite of these things. It's because of these things, because of these experiences and these things that I'm able to do this. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, but it took me a long time. I mean, I think the first time I actually wrote about my story, I was already two years into my work and it was like in 20 or two, it might've been in, um, 2012, but I was, or no, maybe it was a 2015 or 2014. Cause if I started my work in 2012, then it would, yeah, it would have had to be a couple of years later. And mm-hmm. I just, it was so fascinating. Cause I'm like, I sent an email out with all this fear that people are going to judge me. And I got an incredible response back from people. And then I put a blog out and then my website got hacked. And so I had to re-put it all (laughs) (laughs) So it was like this constant, like I had to re-show up and re-talk about my story. and Which probably happened for a reason, for your own. Of course it did. Of course (laughs) it did. It's like, no, you can't just do this one time. (laughs) You've got to, you've got to get comfortable with this. And so now it's easier for me to talk about, for me to not feel that like shame inside for me to really be able to go, yeah, I went through this and I have enough distance from it that it, and have done enough, enough healing that I still know what it feels like, but I don't judge myself for going through it. And I'm incredibly grateful for that Amanda and that version of myself because she helped me become part of who I am today. And so Very I think that, so. yeah, that gratitude that we can find in all of our experiences is so critical and important. Yes. I totally, totally agree. And thank you for sharing that little bit of your story. Um, you know, I, um, I kind of shout it from the rooftop and there's, you know, I'm in a pro an anonymous program. I'm just not anonymous. I just, (laughs) um, I wouldn't have gone to treatment the first time and, you know, it didn't stick, but it worked because it planted the seed and it took what it took for, I had to get desperate enough. And I really hope you know, that that doesn't have to be everybody's story. I'm hoping that people don't have to go to that point to recognize that what they're doing isn't benefiting them. Right. Whether, you know, whether it's binge drinking or whatever, whatever it is, I'm really glad that people can 
drink and enjoy it and just, yeah. you know, have a nice normal time. Like the, I'm still a bartender. I love the, you know, I love the, the camaraderie and the, you know, the mm-hmm. energy of it. But um, for me, like, I know that it's not right, but I'm also very vocal about the fact that I don't drink because, yeah. you know, the people say like, I recover loudly. So others don't have to die in silence. And it's like, it was another bartender who I've never shared her info because she is back to drinking. But another bartender um, that I really like, I love and respect was like, dude, I'm kind of getting out of control. I'm checking into this place. It's a detox. Like I'm, you know, I'm people are going there to quit drinking, but I'm just doing it to get things under control. And Mm -hmm. I just thought you would want to know about it. And I was like, I do. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, cause in the morning I was shaking, like by 2019, yeah. like I would start the shower and I would pour myself a shot of vodka just so that I could take a shower. Cause I was shaking right. so bad. Yeah. And I just, I sipped on vodka. Most people, I mean, there was times I got in trouble at work, but most of the time people couldn't tell how bad I was unless they saw me sober. Right. Absolutely. Cause it was just part of who you were at that point. Yeah. And being a bartender, it was very socially acceptable. And all my yeah. friends, you know, did shots at seven in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the big deal? But it was just the fact that I could no longer live without it. Right. Absolutely. And then, you know, doing like, yeah, like supplementing things so that I could drink longer and later and yeah right and I could afford to do that and um so yeah anywho I just I do try to be vocal about it because somebody else was vocal about it and it was like you know there are people that I don't identify with and I hear their story and I'm glad that they tell their story but that's not me yeah but when this person was me looking at me and saying hey I'm gonna go down this door and if you want to go you can come too I was like Oh God, I want that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I love the fact that you said you're vocal because I think that is so important. I think that with shame, or I know that with shame, like mm-hmm. it's silence. Silence is what is is keep shame brooding. And Brene Brown talks a lot about this. And yeah. um, you know, the more that we can let our voice be heard and the more that we speak about this and that is one thing is like I absolutely support being vocal about it and I'm glad you are because people feel so alone in their addiction or sometimes in their relate whatever you're going through when you're carrying shame you feel alone and then you don't reach out and then because of that then you feel more alone and you feel more shameful Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I love like group work and being in group, and this is one of the powerful things about the AA community that you can definitely attest to is that being in community and hearing someone else's story. And I've seen this in the groups that I've run for women is that when you hear people tell a story similar to yours, you feel so validated and you feel, feel so seen. So- seen yeah and you're like oh my god I'm not alone and I remember there was a group that I was running and we were talking about I don't even remember the topic at this point but it was really there were 10 women and we were in a Starbucks meeting room which was like basically a fishbowl and these women were being so authentic like six out of 10 cried and I'm like oh my god but that's absolutely a beautiful thing because they were being like oh I'm not alone in this. Thank you for sharing that. And it was this huge ability to connect with people. And so 
it is so important that we tell our stories so other people know that there's the opportunity to get help, that life doesn't have to look like this, that there's, you know, I always look at, you said a guide earlier. I've seen myself that way. I don't walk in your shoes. I walk next to you. So the work that I do, you're on your path and I'm on my path and together we walk and I may help you navigate this because I'm a little farther along, but it's still your path. You still get to choose what steps to take. It's just my ability to help you getting curious and understand why. And that wonderment of like, well, I wonder what that's about. Or, you know, I wonder if I did this, what would happen? And then really being able to make your decisions based on that versus like out of just fear. Yes. I love that so much. So, I mean, like addiction and divorce are not the same thing, but are so closely related because like you just said, they both like, there's so much shame behind wanting to end a marriage because you're not supposed to. That's the opposite of what saying I do means. But also the whole supposed to can suck it. Right. have you have you read Byron Katie? Like I'm such a huge fan of Byron Katie. Oh, I love the work. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so huge piece. Like, is it true? Still Can a daily she's know. part of my daily work also. I always a lot of my work is what like I do and I work with my clients. I introduce them to her work a lot because of the fact that she works so highly in that mm-hmm. in our self-judgment. And yeah, she's huge. And she just said, like, get rid of the word should. Like, it either is or it isn't. Like, is this working? Can you absolutely know? Like, if it's not, move on. Yeah. Like, I love her so much. (laughs) She's amazing. And you can um, download, there's like, if you go to her website, you can download the little book and she's got worksheets and lots of great stuff on YouTube. But her work is like really it's, it's so lovingly and like tough at the same time. I was going like, to say, it's lovingly like brutal. Yeah, it's so yeah. honest and so like, and what if you didn't believe this thought? And you're like, what the hell? How would I you feel without it? this thought? I'm like, I would feel fucking great, but I wait, I can, is that a thing? <laughs> can I do that? Can I choose that? <laughs> it's like so freeing. Her work is so great. And it's, it's, I love that you're introduced to her as well, because I find not everybody knows about her work and it is just fabulous. And she literally calls it the work. And I'm like, it's so, it was so influential on me. And I just remember, so her and Brene Brown and, you know, the four agreements were huge pieces of the Mm -hmm. beginning of work that I did when I worked with my very first coach for the bikini competition. Like those were like three of the first four books that she recommended that Mm -hmm. we read. And so it was so interesting because yeah, you are like, oh, I can choose something different. And if I didn't believe that, or I love her turnarounds in the sense of like, you're like, they should be calling me. They should be doing this. And it's like, one of the turnarounds is like, I should be calling them. I like, so it puts ownership back onto you of what not necessarily should you be doing? Because I feel like that's shitting on yourself when you should. But what could you be doing? But what could you be doing? How could you be showing up for this differently? And if you don't want to, then why are you making a big deal about this? You know, like it leads to so much more questions um, that help you explore what's underneath your hesitance and your, you know, 
ability to kind of do this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I love it. And I don't love doing the work when I am upset. And my mom, I mean, my mom turned me on to Byron Katie, like my uh, loving what is copy is like highlighted with little notes written by my mom. And I, every time I'm at a bookstore, like a used bookstore, I look for copies of that to share with people because I I like love sharing her work. But when I'm talking to my mom and I'm just wanting to vent instead, I'm getting the questions and I'm like, look, lady, this is not that. Right. So it's like, yeah, learning how to do that. I like, uh, like that. Okay. I need five minutes to vent and then we can do this. Like let, because I do feel like sometimes we still, I'm a big advocate. You still need to feel what you feel. You still need to be angry. You still need to express it. You still, it's when we stop connecting with our emotion and we, we start making it wrong we shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And we move too quickly into positive and gratitude without feeling. That's where you kind of get in trouble. And that's where I've been lately. Yeah. So but I got we, called out and I see it. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's that moment of like, okay, I need to vent. I need to do this. I need to process, but I have to feel the anger and the frustration and whatever emotion so that I can grieve my expectation so then I can move into my gratitude and the 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 positive things from this the lessons whatever it is but it's a process and when we jump too quickly then we're stuffing (laughs) yes we're stuffing absolutely which is not good because that shit explodes yeah and I'm an exploder So I'm learning these things because I've been so darn happy, you know, like Mm -hmm. things are going my way. And I think it's because I've just kind of let go of which way my way is. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, but then I'm noticing like I'm in a new place and, you know, there's just all these different little factors to where there's some discomfort and there's some expectations that, you know, are not being met, like just like finding a job or, you know, everywhere I've gone, I succeed and I make a lot of money. And like, it's a little different here. It's a little more affordable in Corpus Christi, Mm -hmm. Texas, but it's also, you know, your pay is far less than than Seattle area. So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. It's very different. And so I've had to, I've had to like explode in order for someone to be like, so, you know, if you just felt your feelings instead of spinning them right away, if you just said, you know, I'm frustrated that I haven't found a job mm-hmm. or I'm, you know, I'm disappointed that when I found this job, it wasn't what I hoped it would be. Yeah. Or, you know, but instead you just go, I'm just going to keep on, go, you know, and just clicking your heels down your little merry way. Like, right. Yeah. Dating is a lot like that, that allowing the disappointment and kind of processing through that and, and just, you know, but we, but the, it's an opportunity for us to grow when we can allow ourselves to feel how we feel and to really acknowledge the truth in that. Like the disappointment is huge. This didn't meet my expectation. I mean, the last date I went on, I had all this envision of what it would look like based (laughs) upon the limited information that I got from the person who set up my date because it was a blind date. And how they describe the person. So I created all these stories and, you know, research where we were going. And so I dressed a certain way and expected this person to do the same thing. And they did not. And I was like immediately deflated. 
very nice person, not a good fit match, but it was, it was a real interesting thing for me to go to be able to like acknowledge my disappointment, but then see where I'm putting expectation, having, having expectations of what things will be like, instead of staying in the wonderment and curiosity Mm -hmm. and, and being able to just like go with the flow in some essence, but really just kind of like being like, Oh, that curiosity, like, wow, what's going to, what's this going to be like without the other parts? Yep. I love that you said the wonderment and the curiosity, but it, it's really, really hard to manage our expectations. Yeah. Yeah, it is because we're so used to that. And we're told that we're supposed to, you know, like not have expectations, but then have expectations, but then don't have them, but then, you know, be grateful, but don't expect too much, but you need to have, and you're like, I don't even know what to think anymore. Like, so how do I navigate this? And it's, it's truly, I think a trial and error and acknowledging where you are and being able to talk about them, whether it's in your relationship or your job or dating, like knowing what your motivation is Mm -hmm. or what you're doing, even in recovery, like what is your motivation for recovering? Like you brought up that person earlier, there was, you know, to be able to manage it better. Whereas somebody else's was to be able to actually go through the path of recovery and healing. So they didn't keep making those choices. Yeah. It's just, you know, what is your motivation for what you're doing? Fortunately, like my motivation was the same as hers, but that was not my reality. Right. Yeah. So it's, it is interesting though. Like once my motivation did flip, like you say, like once I went out and I drank again and then I went back, my motivation was whatever it takes. Yeah. And like, that's what I got. Like I, I, it sounds really, really cheesy (laughs) and I love it. I so have no shame in being cheesy that like, more times than not, I bask in the sunlight of the spirit. I am happy, joyous, and free. Yeah. Not all the time, but I didn't experience those things before. I love that for you. Yeah. So it's really neat. Yeah, it is. And I, I would say the same thing. I'm not always happy, and but (laughs) it, it, and life is tough sometimes. And I've had to really get comfortable with being able to say, you know what? I'm not really okay today. I'm having a hard day because I'm so used to keeping my shit together for everybody else that I don't even know how I'm feeling. Like I remember somebody going, could you be having some issues around depression? I'm like depression. What is that? I'm not depressed. You're crazy. And then I had to think, and I'm like, would I even know if I was, would I even know if I was anxious or am I just so used to living in a world where I don't allow myself to feel regardless of whether I use drugs or drink or whatever it is that I'm just so disconnected from my own feelings Mm -hmm. that I would know if I was. And that took a huge piece and I wasn't necessarily depressed, but I was super stressed out and I was really anxious and I was super unhappy. So there probably was some elements of depression, you know? And I totally identify with everything you just said. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's being able to get reconnected with our own emotion and, and allowing ourselves to feel. And that's, that's been a journey. 
still have to remember to sometimes check in, like, how am I feeling about this right now? It's a beautiful journey, though. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take any of it. Like people have asked, I don't know about you, but um, people have asked me, if you could go back, would you change it? Would you change anything? I would not. Yeah, me neither. I would I not love where it's brought me. Absolutely. I, there are things that absolutely I've regretted things that I've been like, you know, I wish I would have done that differently, but I'm glad I would not change a thing because then I wouldn't have the insight and knowledge and be where I am. Could I be farther in life? Sure. But could I be farther back too? (laughs) Could I be, I mean, you just don't know. So it's coming to that term that I'm okay and happy with who I am today. And I think that's one of the big things is like we go through things in life and we make choices and there are consequences. It's not bad or evil or good or bad or right or wrong. They're just things that happen based upon our choices. And the more that we go, do I like what's happening right now? Not from a place of judgment, but a place of love. And if I don't, what do I need to do differently to be in a different place? And it's really that space of then choosing. And so those, everything like that's brought you and me to this place, we get to reflect back. We go to go, yeah, I don't like how I did that. So I'm going to choose to do it differently moving forward. I'm not going to be perfect. I'm still going to mess up. I'm probably mm-hmm. going to get caught in my pattern, but I'm going to recognize it and I'm going to shift it when I can. And that, that's it. Absolutely. Like that's the big gist of it all (laughs) like I mean you know I mean two hours in a nutshell is just you know this is what I'm doing this is what I'm getting if I shift how I look at it and shift how I show up for it I'm gonna get something different I would not change a thing either I love it yeah absolutely (sighs) oh It's been so good seeing you. (laughs) Yes, it's been so good seeing you and catching up. I'm so grateful we're both on the journeys that we are and that, you know, we get a chat about it too. This is the best. It is. I want to do this again. Hopefully you do too. So Amanda, will you tell everybody what you do and where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So I am a coach who helps people transitioning through divorce and long-term relationships uh, through the emotional side of that. So I don't, I don't do legal stuff, none of that, but kind of working to kind of be, take this opportunity through the process to kind of work through all the stories and navigate that. So I have a program that's a group program, open enrollment called the divorce course, and people can find out more about that and me on my website at amandajpbrown.com. So that's Amanda J is in Jack, P is in Pepper, brown.com. And if you want to go specifically to the divorce course, it's backslash the divorce course. And I am on all social medias as Amanda JP Brown. Perfect. And then I'll also include links. So we'll make it easy to find you. 